Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen to? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. I love to use Anchor because of its ease of use and its multiple platform system that allows me to get my podcast to different people that listen to different podcasts on different apps. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make some money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start and join today. And the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor will be welcome to hear you. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. I just hope I live long enough to see it happen, and that's a fact. Cause one thing, when you pro-black, you might love your people, but they may not love you back. For more than 400 years, we've been under attack. We survived slavery, and then they gave us crack. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? 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 I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope My so. mind runs a million miles per hour. They can't stop me. They ain't got the power. If they put me in the ground, I still rise like a flower higher than the Eiffel Tower. Ancestors give me power to devour each and every enemy and every guy. This for Fred Hampton, Mark Clark. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, Bob Marley and Peter Tosh, and all the slaves who had to run away in the dark. You in my heart. This for the lost martyrs, the old mama G's and Bunchy Carters, and all the comrades that's locked away on false charges, and all the soldiers that fought regardless, and those who died in the freedom rides and long marches. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? 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 Do 
revolutionaries go to heaven. I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I wanna know. Do revolutionaries go to heaven? I hope so. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast with your host, Mr. Black Ovation. And yes, 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 it is time for another episode. You know how I do it. You know, every Wednesday it's a drop, 8 a.m. That way you can come in and, you know, partake of a lot of uh, what's going on in, on the podcast, things like that. And I uh, hope you guys have really been enjoying the episodes that I've already published. Um, so, like I said earlier, uh, it, today is Wednesday and I'm going to be talking to a young man who is uh, doing big things uh, with his career, um, things in the neighborhood, pretty much, and uh, you know, he's pretty interesting uh, young man. Uh, so, with that being said, I'm going to bring on Mr. Camp Cleveland. Peace, King. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate you for allowing me to come on your platform. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Camp Cleveland. Yes, sir. Absolutely, King. I'm I'm, I'm happy that uh, to have you aboard. Um, so listen, um, Camp Cleveland. First thing I want to ask you about about the Cleveland part. Where do you hail from, sir? Oh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Is that where the name Cleveland came from? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, by me doing music and different things, Cleveland is where I'm from. But Camp is like another name for posse, team, clique. You know, like that. So. Okay, got it, got it, got it. That makes sense. Camp Cleveland. Uh, definitely. Now you born and raised. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, so, so listen, so we initially had an offline conversation. You know, a lot of people have been, um, you know, kind of seeking me out. It's been weird, you know, to come on the platform and stuff like that. And we just had an initial conversation and you gave me, you know, a little bit about yourself and your bio and things like that. Now you already mentioned that you do music. Uh, so I guess we'll start there. Uh, how long have you been doing music? What type of music do you do? And what is your, what is your, what is your, um, motivation for doing the music? Oh, okay, yeah. I've been um, writing music since I was probably about middle school, maybe about 14 or 15. Um, it's something I love to do. It's something that helps relieve the stress. You know what I'm saying? I'm always excited to work with different artists. So I've been blessed and fortunate to be able to travel around the world and record and write songs and, you know, go to studios and shoot videos for artists in Africa, Senegal, South Africa, uh, Dominican Republic, Brazil, Amsterdam, you know, a few other places. So, you know, that's something that I, I want to do for the rest of my life. And that, that keeps me motivated. You know what I'm saying? It's something that I can always fall back on. It opened up a lot of doors for me. You know, when I meet people in my travels, sometimes, you know, the language may be a barrier. But, you know, if we both love music, then, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, makes the process a little bit easier. I can dig it. I can dig it. You can tell brother cool as hell, man. His it's, it's tone, his voice and everything. He all laid back and whatnot. Brother cool as hell. Anyway, anyway, uh, so you did say some interesting things there. Now, you said you've been writing the music, you know, for, you know, since you were like in middle school, stuff like that. Um, but it's, but but what caught my attention was the fact that you were able to actually travel 
Uh, what prompted that? What brought that about? Because you, know, you mentioned a couple of places, Senegal, uh, you know, the, the, the DR. Uh, there was a couple of other places that you mentioned. How did that come about? Oh, okay. Yeah, once I got like, uh, once I got grown, once I was like 18 and I was able to record my own music, you know, me and my friends, Camp Cleveland, that was all of us. We would go to different neighborhoods and we started going to different cities and different states. You know, we would print up our own CDs and drive to different cities like Detroit, St. Louis. We would drive to Indianapolis, you know, Cincinnati, places, you know, within driving distance. And we would do shows, we would sell our CDs. And it was always a great experience, you know what I'm saying? So that just motivated me to go to more places, you know. And as I got older, you know, I continued to make music. You know, some of my my guys, they kind of stopped. You know, it was just like a hobby for them at that time. So I started going to different, flying to different states. And then, you know, at that time we had MySpace. So I was able to reach out to, you know, people in different states and different countries. So once I got my passport, you know, I started connecting with artists in different countries. I message them first and ask them, do they want to collaborate? And they'll send me a beat and I'll write to it. Then I'll, you know, send them a verse back. You know, that's how I started off initially. And then once I went to these places and we would do more music and they would introduce me to more people. And, you know, then when I come back again, we could do shows or we could do this or do that. So, you know, that's kind of how it worked out for me. That's nice. That's that's real dope. Um, <clears throat> so going over there, what 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 was that experience like? You know, I know, you know, music bridges a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of things. You know, uh, it bridges, you know, um, different nationalities, ethnicities, stuff like that. Music, music is like the the glue to a lot of stuff. But by you being in the states, originally by the states and going over to these different countries, what was that experience like? Uh, it was a great experience, man. You know, like I say, they ain't show me nothing but love. I don't have no horror stories or nothing like that. It's been all love. Um, and it's a good experience because you can tap into the different types of music that they listen to. Because a lot of times as Americans, we just really just listen to American music, what we make. And when you go to other countries, you know, they got their own music and they listening to what we making. So, you know, you get to hear new things. And a lot of it you will like. You will say if you in South Africa for a week or two you going out to the clubs and you seeing different people perform and you listen to them and you gonna start you know liking their music and liking different artists and stuff and just it just expand your mind you know what I'm saying more you already love music anyway so if it's good that just make it all the more better you know what I'm saying excellent I like that uh, now with that being said did any so with, with the kind of music that you make now, as opposed to the music that you made before, did any of the uh, that experience uh, have any bearing on your the music that you create currently? Like, did you did you take any way, anything away from that culture or the kind of instrumentation that they use and then start to incorporate that in your music? Yeah, definitely, it definitely influenced me. Um, I was living in South Africa in 2020. And this was in, you know, during when the pandemic began. So mm. I was living in the city of Johannesburg and I stayed in a um, neighborhood called Mabo Nang. It's an art district. So it's like a real unique place. I've never been to a place like this. There's a lot of rappers, singers, photographers, painters, dancers, poets, drummers, all type of musicians and artistic people. They come to this area and they perform and they sell their music. And, um, all around the neighborhood is murals and paintings of 
you know, great black men and women like Marcus Garvey, mm-hmm. Nelson Mandela, Harriet mm-hmm. Tubman, Asada Shakur, people like that. So, you know, despite the world going through the pandemic, you know, I was motivated every day that I walked outside. You know, everything was closed, but I still could see these great people and that kind of uplifted my spirit. So I was influenced by that. And fortunately, by all these different artists living in my building, I was able to write a song. I was able to go to the studio and record. I was able to shoot a music video. So I was able to do everything and I was still influenced. So the name of the song that I wrote was called Do Revolutionaries Go to Heaven? Yeah, and I was reflective. Yeah, yeah. So that was reflective of, you know, my environment at that time. So many revolutionaries was around me and then people was dying. You know what I'm saying? So it's a song that a lot of people can relate to. A lot of people, you know, give me feedback. They say they love it and they like it. And, you know, I just mature as a person anyway. We are supposed to mature. So the, the thing that I was writing about when I was 14 or 15 and the reactions that I was trying to get out of people when I was 14 or 15, you know, I've been able to grow. When we was first writing rap, we just wanted to make people laugh. And we just wanted to make people, you know, shocked and different things like that. But now I want to make people think, you know, about things that are um, noteworthy, thought provoking, you know, black excellence, black power, black pride, you know, black is beautiful and things like that. I mean, I'm from Cleveland, so I still have that side to me and I'm a, a well-rounded person so I kind of try to talk about uh, different things but the main focus of my music you know is more uh, conscious got it I love it I, li- I like that answer uh, so a couple of things though because you, you're you're, you're kind of multifaceted so you know right now you got a lot of things going on not just the music I believe you're, you're, you're an author as well is that correct yeah definitely um, I just released my first book it's called The Afro Set uh, the Afro set was a black power organization that was formed in the 1960s. And my uncle, my mom's brother, he was one of the co-founders of the Afro set. He came up with the name, the Afro set. He was the minister of information of the group. So the Afro set, Afro stood for African. You know, some people think it's about the hairstyle, but his group was at the forefront of bringing African culture, African language, African music, African drumming, African fashion, you know, and different things, spirituality to the city of Cleveland. Because back then they didn't have the internet or access to try to study and find these things, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So my uncle, he was the editor of their newspaper. He was the photographer. Um, he was a poet. He did a lot of, you know, intellectual things. In this group, they had a lot of social programs. They had breakfast programs. They had lunch programs. Uh, they had a nursery. They built a theater, they did poetry reading, they did fashion shows, they did musical performances and different things like that. But it also was a self-defense group. So, you know, they trained with the military. I mean, you know, they trained with the military drills. They worked with the rifles, the handguns, the sticks. They used machetes. You know, they would, you know, do physical things like that. And that was was here in the States? Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I never heard of that. I just learned something new. Yeah, a lot of people ain't hip to even in Cleveland, they're not really hip to it because the black nationalists, they were similar to the Black Panthers, but they were more extreme. They was a little bit more extreme. So when they would do things, they had a like a stricter code of silence. So nobody has written a book about them. You know what I'm saying? So if you read my book, it goes into detail. I mean, people have mentioned them, but a full book about the beginning, the end, the rise and the fall, you know, they, they don't know about them. So like when when 
pimps would come into the community, they would run them out. You know, prostitutes, they would run them out. They were running uh, after hours spots, dope houses, they would shut them down. If kids came up missing, they would go find them. You know, they would do things like that. If the police would brutalize on people, they would confront them. You know, it's a lot of action in the book. It's not a boring book. It's shootouts, it's rebellions, it's uprisings, it's riots. It's, it's a lot of things going on. But the most important thing about the Afro set, it was more like a family. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the people that joined were brothers and sisters or cousins or aunts and uncles. Mothers would bring their kids to the Afro set. So a lot of people met in the Afro set and they, you know, they dated and they got married. They did an African ceremony. They didn't go down to the mm-hmm. courthouse, but, you know, babies were born into the Afro set. And that was the importance of them having a nursery. So it was very, you know, family orientated. I love you, man. Um, I say that a lot on my show anyway, but I, I truly mean it. But I love it, though, because like I said, that's a part of history that I have no clue of. I'm, I'm totally oblivious to a lot of that. Most people know about the Black Panthers and, you know, uh, uh, what, what was the other set? Um, it was a, they called them the, um, the the preachers. I forget their name exactly, but um, they would carry around rifles and stuff like that. But nobody's ever heard about the Afro. Well, I haven't heard about the Afro set. So this is actually good. That way people can get, you know, a glimpse into what that looks like, uh, especially in, in your book. And your book is available just about everywhere. Well, I'm doing it independently. I'm an independent author. So if people want to buy the book, they have to buy it from me. I have it online and I can ship it to them. Um, I have a website. It's called campcleveland.org. Campcleveland.org. And on my website, you can find my music. You can find my book. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of international e-commerce so when I go to different countries I buy different products and I put them on the site we take requests too so I have things like shea butter sea moss uh, dashikis African jewelry and different things like that um, that I sell on my website as well then we do tours to Africa I take groups to Africa different parts of the continent we got like seven or eight tours right now you know you can do a payment plan you can go any time of the year you know, so it's a lot of everything that I'm connected with is on my website, but I'm on social media too. So, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, Melanated People, YouTube. I have a lot of videos on there, but I'm under Camp Cleveland, C A M P Cleveland. Got it, got it, got it. <clears throat> now, real quick, back to the music part. Um, so, I grew up in 80s, 90s, and I remember. The, 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 the uplifting music that was performed by many groups. I'm talking about Poor Righteous Teachers, Ex-Clan, Public Enemy, uh, thing, you know, people of that nature. And it was, it was, it was really inspiring, uh, to see that you had, you know, especially a, a lot of young black men. You know, there were sisters that did the same thing, but it was a lot of young black men that was leading the charge. And it was acceptable. It was readily acceptable back then. You know, it was like, that was the music to listen to. So I said, I fed on a lot of that. And that's what helped to nurture me in my mindset, you know, growing up as a young man. Uh, question for you. In the climate that we're in, how how difficult is it to navigate the music landscape and the terrain with the type of music that you're trying to perform and help to feed the minds of the people? Uh, man, I ain't gonna lie to you. It's difficult, but I love doing it anyway. So it's, you know what I'm saying? That's what's gonna motivate me. You know, people like BB King, they perform today 80 and 90. You know, I could feel like I can do that with my music. You know, I'm confident and I know that it's good quality music, but it's just not, um, 
promoted as much. But most of the people that I've encountered, they love my music. They like, you know, keep up the good work. They like the messages and, and inspire people. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I understand that, like, the way it's set up, the industry now has changed from the late 80s. Because I was influenced by that, too, because I had older brothers. They used to play all that stuff. X-Clan, BDP, mm-hmm. KRS, Kim, Four Righteous Teachers, Public Enemy. Even some of Cube stuff, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So that that definitely has motivated me. But it's it's, it's it is hard, like I say, because even people look like like maybe like Tupac. You know, he made songs like Brenda's Got a Baby, Dear Mama, Yeah, uh, yeah uh, those was good, powerful songs. But they those wasn't his best selling songs. You know what I'm saying? Those wasn't the songs that sold the most records or got the most spins. But people remember them songs, and when them songs come on. They, they feel a certain type of way so you know I just want to keep making music like that to make people think and make people feel a certain type of way and make them you know feel uplifted or make them think consciously about you know things that are going on yeah totally totally and and, and I would think that it would be a certain degree of difficulty uh, in the climate that we're currently in um, because of the fact that a lot of people are you know pushing and putting out certain types of imagery and music that uh, so many people have become accustomed to. So when you're trying to bend the curve a little bit or maybe go in a different direction, it's going to be like going against the grain, right? So it's it's a, it's a, uh, it's almost like an unpopular view. And the funny thing about it too is that most of us know that we need that type of music. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's there's a there's a saying that uh, form I mean not um, uh, life imitate art. Life life imitates art, and it's mm-hmm. funny because our cultural community. Uh, is 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 and I'm just gonna say it. I'm you know no strike against any artists or anything like that but our cultural community is not like you know like it once was you know and I think that's a lot of you know part and parcel to the reason why um, our community is almost still in the same state of disrepair that it's that that has been in for decades uh, but I do like the fact that you are going against that grain I have heard, uh, have you know, I have heard the rec- record or listened to the YouTube uh, video. I saw the YouTube video about uh, do revolutionaries go to heaven, and I and I am going to say on the show, it is nice quality music. The sound quality is there. That's, that's the other thing about it too, because I'm kind of a sound guy. Uh, the sound quality is is incredible. The the visuals go right along with the music, and I definitely appreciate everything that you're trying to accomplish at this point. So people should definitely look out and try to support you uh, a lot. But um, but uh, so 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 definitely thank you for doing what you're doing and keep continuously you know keep doing it. Uh, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and again, um, the fact that you can you know um, take that type of music and still go across you know cross borders. You know what I'm saying? You can you can fly from the states and go to another country and then talk about that kind of music because I because I still think and I've I've seen certain types of music where people are making that a, a, along the lines of you know uh, what it once was you know like the public enemies and and the poor righteous teachers and people like that there's still people in other countries that are still making that type of music so so it's 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 still in demand it's just not pushed like it used to be pushed back in the day right right definitely yeah Okay, so so book is available, music is available, other artifacts and, and items are available all on the website. And I think you did mention the website. You said campcleveland.com. Dot org. Dot org. 
All right. Uh, let me see. There was something else I wanted to ask you, actually. I know we we're going to talk about the music and I remember the book and everything. And you got uh, you got some some videos on there. Oh, so we got to talk about the Black of the Berry, man. You you you, you got to get into that. That that's an old saying, you know. It, <laughs> I remember growing up hearing that a lot, man. But uh, you know, to have somebody else to make a video, you know, about it and bring it back, man. You, you we got to talk about that. What was the uh, what was the idea? Or the premise behind that? Oh, okay. Yeah, the Black or the Berry. Uh, that was a song I did with this queen, uh, Charday Renee. She got a beautiful, amazing voice. Uh, shout out to her. Uh, basically, it was a song that um, I just wanted to give it up for the Black queens all around the world. You know what I'm saying? I know it's, it's the Black or the Berry, but it's for all of them. You know, brown skin, light skin, mixed, dark skin. You know, all of them. Let them know that they beautiful. You know, that they are the most beautiful. And just, you know, let them know that we do love them and do care about them. You know what I'm saying? Like I say, that's not really in the music like that. You know, it's more so about like sex or kicking it or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I just wanted to take a different approach, you know what I'm saying? In the video, we was blessed because we shot it in this restaurant in my city in Cleveland. And um, it's a restaurant called Black Wall Street. And they have a lot of murals and pictures of black revolutionaries and leaders. And they had pictures of people like Rosa Parks and Oprah Winfrey and uh, Michelle Obama, you know, different strong black women. So I just wanted to highlight the queens, you know, make it all about them. I think it's I, I, I think I think it's a good thing, man. I mean, of course, you're you're talking about all of our sisters, but, you know, in the in the age of colorism and, you know, a lot of the videos that are being pushed and portrayed nowadays, you know, it's it's almost all about, you know, having a more fair skinned uh, yeah. woman in the video. So for somebody to say and even have the title, The Black of the Berry, right? And then talk about, you know, the things that you're talking about in the in the in the song. I think it's I think it's something again that's needed because it needs to be balanced out. You know, our, our darker sense our darker skinned sisters need to know that they're appreciated and that they're loved, right? So we gotta make a yeah, place for them. Okay. Yeah, we okay. gotta make we gotta make a place for them. So I, I don't you know, I, I think everybody would pretty much agree that you're talking about all black queens, but at the same time to make it very pointed and very specific, I think it's I I, I think it's something needs that, that that also needs to be done. Um yeah. Any more projects or anything coming up? Um, right now I'm just really promoting the book. I've been doing a lot of podcasts. Um, I've been writing a lot of music lately. I don't know about twenty twenty five songs, so maybe I can do a mixtape this year. Um, as I mentioned, I do the educational tours. I got a couple tours lined up. Uh, we're going to Ghana in December. I got a group going the last week of December. We're gonna do Afrochella um, in May. I have a tour We're going to Egypt And then I have one more in October We're going to the west side We're going to Cape Verde um, And that, that's about it, man That's about it I'm going to do a documentary for the book also um, Maybe in the next year Yeah, maybe in the next year or two Because, you know, it's a different feeling When you're reading and you're looking at the pictures You know, a lot of the people in the book You see them in their 20s or they teenagers Some of them even kids You know what I'm saying? But to sit down with them in 2015 and you know some of these people they're in their 80s and their 70s and their 60s now so you get to really hear their voice and see their you know their reaction to some of the questions and some of the things and also i have a lot of archive footage so i have footage of the afro set marching and playing the drums video footage of my uncle talking and different things that he was doing you know so is it do, do you think 
uh, and I'm asking you because again, I don't know. Do you think that there's any information that's uh, readily available online? Like if somebody wanted to look that up right now, would would it would that be possible? Um, they they have like a couple articles on the Afro set. Like if somebody just want to get a quick glimpse of it. But like I say, the the book is more detailed where it's going to tell the rise and the fall and how they got started and what their positions were and different things that they were doing as far as African culture and the FBI and COINTELPRO fascinated and all of that. So you ain't going to get all of that online, but you can look them up. You know what I'm saying? Just to just to see what it's about it's a couple articles on there so you could type in the afro set but i'm telling you this it's a deep book because it, it's not only about the afro set it, it talks about a lot of things that was going on in cleveland at that time and we had a lot of freedom fighters a lot of revolutionaries a lot of people that fought and died you know what i'm saying you know and that's the thing our story is so vast right i mean during that time frame there was a lot of people that were doing a lot of things but it's just not it's just not we're not privy to that information you know what i mean we we know about the you know the hotbed centers we know about new york we know about philly you know what i'm saying we know about places like that but 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 to really know that that type of activity was really going on in cleveland you know what i'm saying is is uh you know it's it's something that a lot of people should be interested in like i said there's a lot of there's a lot of other places that you know we're doing that we're doing things but again we we don't we don't know anything about it like i say everybody knows about, right, that, right. about the big centers everybody knows about that california you know what i mean everybody knows about places like that but you know definitely even like you said you from kc i know kc was doing their thing too so uh, it, you know yeah, somebody it, it gotta go ahead and put it out there yeah. you know so yeah definitely it was probably like I, like i said we before we started the conversation um I don't know because you know, like I say, you know, I grew up around the eighties, nineties, stuff like that. So I, I am very familiar with a, with a lot of the uh, black book fairs that would come through, and you know, the Yuhurus and all that kind of stuff. I remember all of that, man. And you know, KC was kind of popping around that time. You know, it was it because we were we were we were looking for something. We were looking for an identity, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 for the most part, you know, that was it. You know, and I can I can I can even you know bring it present day. Um, a lot of the, a lot of those things are not uh, as big as they once were, you know. Either because uh, they found a way to kind of neutralize it, or we just, or there's just not a thirst for it. Like even if I go into a Barnes and Nobles or something like that right now, and I want to get a particular type of book or a specific type of book, the shelves are kind of bare, and the only thing that's out there is the same thing that's being regurgitated on. You know the the, the the different forms of media that we're looking at now: TV, music, um, you know, videos. It's the, it's the same thing warmed over. You know, it's a lot of sex, it's a lot of uh, provocative behavior, it's a lot of cussing, it's a lot of killing, all that kind of stuff. So it's like it's almost it's it's like it's almost a concerted effort to to to, to snuff out anything that would be of any kind of uh, 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 you know um, positive impact. Yeah, definitely. I was watching I was watching an interview or something and the guy he was talking about I forget what type of dog it was, it might have been a pit bull or something. But it, they were saying basically the people would breed the dogs and then some of the dogs attack their master. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how true it is. Basically the ones that would fight back, they would kill them, they'll put them down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So each generation the, the ones that was aggressive or wasn't submissive enough to follow the orders, they'd kill them and they'd kill them. So they were trying to breed out those fighters, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of like what the interview was saying, like with black people, like 
when we had the 60s and Marcus Garvey's and Malcolm X's and stuff, they would kill them in front of us. So, you know what I'm saying? People is less likely to take that route, you know, because yeah. it's almost jail or death is mandatory. If, if you really come out and say I'm for black people and I'm trying to change this. So a lot of us is just like, man, I just want to get this bag and take care of my family, which you can't blame them. But somebody got to sacrifice if we really want to, you know what I'm saying, change things. And I think reading a book like my uncle's book, the book I wrote about my uncle and his group, you know, that would be motivation for a lot of people. And they'll see what, what's at stake and what's at risk. Because my book, like I say, is about my uncle's group, but it, it kind of tells the whole story. Because a lot of times, say, we get a book about the Black Panthers or whoever, it, it just kind of starts off like, okay, they dressed in all black and they got these guns. But it doesn't tell why or what led up to that. What did we go through to get to that point where we was ready to do all of that? And we'll see so many similarities because what's the difference between me picking up my phone and I look on Instagram, I see a, a black man with, a, with his knee on his neck for 10 minutes and he died versus my father looking at TV and seeing somebody get lynched or his father picking up the newspaper, another man lynched in Mississippi or Texas yeah, or man. Kansas City. You know, we get the same exact feeling that all of them had when the police stopped us. So, you know, how much progress have we really made as a group of people? You know what I'm saying? But see, that's why I think, that's why I think, and, and, and I also believe that music like yours, um, um, books like that you you know the ones that you're about to put that you have already published i think that's so important so important because again you know growing up um you know in my era it fueled the cultural revolution which is what we really need now the cultural re revolution and you know, which would help propel us or push us forward you know and it would stop a lot of the mixed messaging that's going on right now and, and i agree with you, a lot of people right now in there in their mindset or in the vein of I just want to get my money and I'm going to get on about my business uh, unfortunately um, that's a good thing but it's also very detrimental because I mean as you can see as you can see just up, just getting the money is not going to you know solve the you know the critical issues in the black community period and you can you can be you can have money in your pocket and end up like a Quavo not Quavo uh, but offset situation where he even got stopped by the police and it was, you know, was and and uh, you know, and was, you know, looked at as some type of a, of a criminal or something like that. Luckily, he had enough money where he can afford a lawyer and get out of that. But this right. this happens all too often uh, to too many of us, right? So we got to be able to solve our, our problems collectively, not just individually. Right. Yeah, but I can dig it, man. So all projects are funded independently, all from you. Um, the documentary. Um, well, um, so that's in the works. That's nothing that's going on right now, but that's something that's in the in the near future. Yeah, because the thing with the documentary is, I have all the footage. I collected man thousands of pictures and documents and footage and files and everything. So I got everything I need, but it's just more so funding. And like you say, I, I really prefer to do things independently because, like, when you get these grants and things. You know, a lot of times it'd be stipulations and different things. Yeah. So. If I could do it my own, my own, I'd be patient and do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, the book just came out anyway, so that, I'll at least give it a year or two. Absolutely. That's why I'm. At, that's why I was asking about that because you know I was going to bring up that point that you already brought up about you know too many people 
wanting to put their hands in the pot and then all of a sudden you know the documentary starts to get diluted because they don't want to tell certain portions of the story or they want to romanticize it and stuff like that and it takes away from the value of what you're trying to articulate to the people um uh in the in, in the documentary so independently being funded is, is 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 a big thing so i'm saying this on my program right now for anybody that's listening um make sure you go to camp cleveland's dot uh, org website make sure you support his music make sure you support the book right and if you find it in your heart to want to help him to develop his documentary because this is something i'm also interested in i would uh i would suggest anybody that is looking to do so find a way to donate to that because i because this is a this is a really great piece of uh historical uh information that we all need to be made uh available to so we need to we need to be able to see that information so campcleveland.org make sure you go there make sure you support what he's doing and as a matter of fact don't forget to support this show <laughs> don't forget to support this show you know what i'm saying support this show because my show is basically an outlet for a lot of young brothers and sisters like you know like who you're listening to right now like brother camp and to be able to you know talk about certain things that they're doing i don't talk i don't talk on my show a lot about a lot of foolishness i don't i don't think it's necessary i let everybody else do that I think there's more important and more serious things that need to take place and we need to start to get serious about the direction that we're heading as a as a people not as an individual so uh support brother uh campcleveland.org uh he has his book afro set is that correct yeah afro set yeah and and what's the name of the album or is it just you just have a bunch of like singles that you can go to is that it, what's the name of the album Okay, yeah, right now it's just singles. Um, the Revolutionaries Go to Heaven and The Black of the Berry. Those are my um, two latest singles. Okay. And again, like I, like I said, I saw them and it's great video quality. Uh, the music sounds incredible as well. There's a storyline. Um, he's, he's talking about black unity and upliftment, which is what I'm definitely down for. And, uh, you know, help him, help him to get, you know, the same way we get people you know to become famous like a like a Chris like a Chris Brown or something like that and again this is no strike against Chris Brown or anything like that but the same way we get to propel these people to the statuses that they're at we need to start doing the same thing for people that are doing what brother camp is doing we got we got to start doing that we got we got to start doing that same thing um so we're almost about at that time man i know we i try to cover as much as possible is there anything else that you like to kind of you know speak on before we even uh you know kind of cancel it out is there anything else that that you want to kind of bring up uh no not really i just want to thank you again i truly appreciate you you know if anybody out there have any questions or need any information you know travel information or about the music the book or any of the items i sell you know anything please feel free to reach out to me i'm on social media uh, my music. I got videos on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm under Camp Cleveland. Brother Camp, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, to to know that I'm talking to somebody of that caliber. So it's like, you know, people. It is weird if when people hear you say stuff like that. But I don't. I see past the potential, and I know exactly where what direction that you're going to end up in. Right. So I see past that. So somebody of your caliber, I appreciate you. You know, wanted to come on my show and talk about your your different projects and the music and stuff like that. And I definitely appreciate that. And uh, you're more than welcome to come back on the show and talk about anything else that you want to talk about. 
Uh, so again, audience, remember, go to campcleveland.org. That's his website. Uh, partake of his, uh, the book, uh, the music, all the other items and, product, and products that he has. And uh, he mentioned again about the uh, documentary. I want to see this. I, I want to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm more than likely I'm going to I'm going to purchase the book because uh, uh, I really want to know in detail about that. Uh, you know, that, that part of uh, that part of our history that we don't necessarily know about. Um, but this has been the All Things Black podcast. You can reach me or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, um, Spotify, definitely. Uh, and uh, there's a website as well that you can actually go to and uh, listen to and look at a little bit more information, which is the All Things Black Podcast.wordpress.com. You can go there and uh, you can follow me on Instagram as well. So this has been another um, episode of the All Things Black Podcast. And I want to thank you again, brother, for coming on. And, and again, my door is open for you. All right. Until next time, King. Peace. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um- child of cornbread your favorite son anton (laughs) um i enjoyed the podcast and what i like most about it is i got to get some education out of the podcast and learn about the afro set so there you go here's my contribution to the cause Take care.